Welcome to the Donmar on Design podcast series. I'm David Jays and this is our opportunity to talk in depth with some of the UK's leading theatre designers. Donmar on Design is a festival celebrating the power of design in theatre and the designers who make it happen. So here we are in a cosy, snug little dressing room at the Donmar. Light bulbs around the mirrors, the whole works. Um, and I'm with the fantabulous Chloe Lamford. Greetings. Hurrah. <laughs> <laughs> um, very exciting that you can join us for the Donmar on Design podcast. And though we're in this cosy little dressing room, we could, of course, it's a podcast, we could be anywhere. And I'm kind of thinking that I'm by a ball pond full of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of crazily multicoloured plastic balls um, and out of that pond come mad internet-y meme things <laughs> like <laughs> lol cats and yeah. <laughs> Rick Astley and also scary dark internet-y things like um, hackers and scammers and pedo bears because this is the fantastic set you designed for uh, the internet is serious business at the Royal Court. And um, I think you said you wanted to design something that that wasn't full of tech, but was how the internet feels. Yeah, and it was exactly that. And if anyone can come up with a better sense of what it is, the, 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 the crazy, dangerous, delightful, terrifying place that is the internet of all possibilities, then I... <laughs> I'm very not surprised, <laughs> frankly. So that, Chloe Lamford, is where my head is we at the moment. We can pretend we're in the ball pond. <laughs> can we? <laughs> and we did one time when we made it, we had um, technical notes after the show with the whole crew, and we all sat in it. Oh, really? It was great. There were a lot of good visitors to the ball pond. <laughs> was it a comfortable place to sit yeah. in, inside? Yeah, it was kind of, you could swim around. Get substage. That's great. <laughs> I'm glad to know that. But I was also wondering, so that's where my head is. Where where is your head at the moment? What are you working on? What are you thinking about? What are you looking at? What, what? Well, well, I'm just at the Royal Court again at the moment, and um, I've just been opening a play this week uh, by Chris Thorpe, which is called Victory Condition. It doesn't look like the internet, this one, but <laughs> I now having worked a lot in that theatre downstairs at the Royal Court. I'm very in love with it, and so I get to play with it in lots of different guises, and at the moment I've taken the stage out completely um, and built a structure that's sort of holding a space in the middle of it. And I guess I'm really, at the moment, trying not to look too much around at other art, <laughs> and I'm trying to not reference things, and I'm trying to sort of find ideas inside me more, so I think this one feels like that's what I'm trying to do this week. <laughs> <laughs> is that quite usual for you, that sense of trying to, to sort of limit how much visual information comes at you but we, when well, you're in the middle of something? No, probably not. I think we, we set designers are such magpies because we have to look everywhere to kind of find which bits of the world we're kind of smashed together to make <laughs> the play's world. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I think this is at the moment I'm, I'm trying to look in, inwards rather than gathering lots of things around. I think sometimes I get really saturated and then I can't, I forget how to generate something that could just be imagined. 
Mm. And I think sometimes I get bad at that. So I want, to, I don't know, I'm trying to imagine more. <laughs> um, and those ideas that come out of somewhere that you can't explain or you don't know what it was that made the idea, they're my favourites. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to be more awake to them. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. No, it does. And one of the things that must be interesting with your relationship with the Royal Court, because you're the associate designer there, and have done a whole range of, of, of different kinds of work in that theatre. Does having a relationship not just with particular collaborators, but with a particular building, a particular space, how is that for, for It's absolutely fascinating. So I've been there for four years. Well, I've known Vicky Featherstone a really long time. I met her when I was 22, and I was helping out in a youth theatre in Watford. And I helped her on a writer's week with teenagers when she ran Payne's Plough. And we kind of always remembered each other. So yeah. my conversation is with the Royal Court as a building, but it's it's with her as well as yeah. somebody that just... Our conversation about theatre is, like, one of my best places to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now we're both in conversation with the building of the Royal Court. Yeah. So it's sort of two. It's Vicky and, and the building in one big, long conversation. Yeah. Um, about what theatre is. Yeah. And when people talk about the Royal Court, of course, they're quite often talking about texts because mm. it's a history of new writing that, mm-hmm. that's, that's enshrined in that building and its history. But as a place for for design, is it? It's a very it's a particular space of a, a stage. Yeah, it? it is. I mean, because we work with the writer as lead artist, mm. and the link between their brain and <laughs> the production. <laughs> It's us, what, we, what we're all going to make. Yeah. But I always worked with new writing more than anything else. I'd, I've mm. never done a check of, yeah. I think I've done one Shakespeare yeah. professionally. Yeah. I, And that's not because I don't like them, but I just, I really, really work with writers. Mm. And so that conversation is really natural to me. And so sort of being in the building means that I get longer conversations with writers as well. So it's like we're kind of all, things sort of germinate and the designs end up more entwined because they've sort of been in longer I've been in longer conversation mm-hmm. with the whole conversation about what we're doing and you yeah. know who's writing <laughs> yeah so I don't know it just feels like my favourite conversation over a long time <laughs> with lots of incredible just an people ongoing, long yeah, conversation and with, with myself people. so like doing the site this year which was when I curated and worked with five writers and made a space that five writers responded to um that was a big culmination of a lot of discussion that I'd had with the artistic team at the court and mm-hmm. about how how you can shape work with writers that's not the usual way, so it's kind of yeah. process-led rather than the play arriving on a table and us all working it out. Yes. <laughs> it was the other way round. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so I should say, I should probably have said before, um, you've worked on, yes, mostly, mostly on new writing, a lot of collaborations with, with Katie Mitchell, with the writer Alice Birch, uh, people might have seen Anatomy of a Suicide, that, uh, which wasn't by you. No. Oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. It's an easy assumption to make when I'm in the building. So. <laughs> no, that was a wonderful Alex Ealer. Ophelia Zimmer. That's that was you. definitely me. <laughs> idiot that I am. Um, but... Um, some a lot of your work has a kind of real installation-y sort of quality. Other pieces are kind of rampant theatricality. That's a lot true. Of stuff 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, I think you've, you've mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've asked you actually to bring some, some stuff in um, as well. Um, something that relates to a production you worked on, something that you cherish, um, something to suggest the power of place, building, landscape, spaces that you really respond to. But first of all, something that um, relates to the young Chloe Lamford, something from from youth. Um, What have you brought in? I brought in a twin lens reflex camera, Um, a microcord, and this is because my my biggest, when I grow up, I want to be a photographer. (laughs) I really, really do. I love it more than anything. It's in a lovely... Yeah. Worn and, and, and slightly mouldy yeah. <laughs> brown and case. I don't use it anymore, but it's it's sort of massively representing a big bit of me. That when I was sixteen and I was in secondary school, and I came to A levels, and our school had a really unusual photography department mm-hmm. that this guy had set up, who was a photographer, and then had started teaching. And I started doing um, an additional GCSE photography when I was doing A-levels. Yeah. And then I turned it into an A-level. And then I just did not leave the darkroom pretty much for two years. And he had this amazing library of, like, 20,000 books. And I was his librarian at lunchtime. So, like, a, I just, like, as a, a thing. Yeah. Like, make five quid or something like that. And I would catalogue his books. And it meant that I met like Nan Golden books and um, Francesca Woodman and Ralph Eugene Meatyard and kind of like huge, like Helmut Newton, all of them. Oh my I, ju- Lord. I just poured over them. And yeah. so I had this incredible, like almost to, like degree level <laughs> photography. <laughs> he was an incredible teacher. Oh my God. And That's he'd be exciting. like, what is this Mickey Mouse picture you've taken? Like this, you know, one out of one roll of film, you might get one. And it was like really incredible artistic education. Yeah. So I sort of did art and textiles and stuff, but I also met photography. And then when I went to do, um, when I went to art school after school, you had to choose between theatre and photography, which seemed very harsh, but I had, wow. to, I had to choose because I couldn't imagine not doing theatre. Right. Um, but yeah, it's my great, great love. Wow. I use it a lot in my work and I want to make a book one day. I, I don't know, it's huge in my life, so. <laughs> so is, the ca- really is, that, is there always a camera? with you wherever you go? I wouldn't say everywhere because it's extremely heavy but sort of <laughs> invested in like proper kit and yeah. I've been because um, I now work all over the place I've been kind of shooting backstage and taking pictures of kind of weird objects that mm-hmm. you that you've stumbled across in theatre and sort of the weird little made up life you get backstage I'm kind yeah. of obsessed with it because it's sort of theatrical but not because it's hidden and the audience don't see it mm. and so I've been shooting a lot of pictures of leftovers from theatre mm. and I feel like that's building into a project that's now feeding back into my work so I'm making an installation at the moment not in a theatre um, <laughs> but that an installation, those, installation. those images right. have kind of fed that yeah. so that's another long way round conversation with <laughs> theatre that boils down to this camera how marvellous yeah, and how did camera. you make that decision then I mean you say that between photography and theatre you said you couldn't imagine Mm. not being involved in theatre. So how had that happened and how did it start to be so much? Unusually, both my parents were contemporary dancers Mm. and choreographers. So I very unusually grew up in the back of smelly (laughs) 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 restaurants and very dark theatres and sort of 
hung out a lot in the yeah. theatre. And I remember, I remember, I think my mum at one point when I was very little asked me, like, what is it you like about it? And I was like, I like sitting in the dark. <laughs> As a little kid, and she's like, oh, no. What have we done? <laughs> what have we raised? Yeah. What is this monster? So I wanted to be a dancer for a long time and danced and danced and danced and then knew that actually I really wanted to make things. So mm-hmm. I sort of half knew I wanted to go into set design quite young because I'd had this kind of lucky, weird life mm. where I grew up in kind of stinky, stinky <laughs> rooms. <laughs> but also, I guess, you know, the concept of a set designer and what they did and how they It was sort of already in my life, yeah. yeah. And I remember my mum, um, who's a choreographer, worked on an opera where there was a massive moon and I kind of made a cake like the moon and it was because I loved the design. And it was Sally Jacobs, who was oh, designer yes. for Turandot. Yeah. And I um, really loved that when I was a kid and I think that fed in. Right. But it was, it was a choose. You have to choose between <gasps> photography and theatre. Gosh, that is quite harsh. I couldn't imagine not doing theatre. But then now I'm like, God, I really want to go and study photography yeah. as well. <laughs> I'm only two years off to go and do that. <laughs> Was it also, the, because you know, photography, it's, it's a solo medium, mostly, and, and uh, so it's, it's you and your imagination and your eye. Mm. But I, That's what so, I like about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, my, it's my really quiet conversation with theatre. Yeah. And I just, like, look, and then I love editing them, and I love kind of collating the images and how mm. they speak to each other but it's quiet and it's not comp- you don't have to compromise it yes so in theatre it's all compromise and collaboration and yeah. this bit and that was actually both of our idea it wasn't you know yeah. the ownership's shared and I yeah. love it for that but theatre's like my my com- my little secret <laughs> conversation <laughs> I'm really bad at sharing them to people as well yeah. I really it's like secret Chloe secret secret <laughs> photography yeah <laughs> That's the camera, yeah. One of the things, and people will have, anyone listening will have picked up on this lovely word that recurs really beautifully when you're speaking, which is conversation. Mm. And it's interesting, and I remember that from the, 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 the one time we met before. You weren't talking a lot about research, you weren't talking a lot about sketches and drawings, you were talking about how projects began out of conversations and developed through conversations. Mm. And, and could, you, could you say a little bit more about that? Because it's yeah, not it's necessarily what people might... I'm not the sort of artist who has to go away and, like, torture yourself and wrestle with a thing and, and hide. Mm. I think I am kind of best in... Co- like, I, it's just, like, literally talking things all come out. Or, or a kind of first instinct reading of something and I'll talk about it and I'll be like, oh, it's this. Uh, and I can kind of connect things as I talk to someone. Right. But, I'm, but I am, I think lots of people talk about being collaborative and lo- I think a lot of people do- aren't that collaborative. <laughs> I think that we all talk about it a lot. <laughs> but you're actually individuals doing your individual yeah, thing that in happened to But <laughs> I, do, I do think I, my head, oh, this is a really weird way of describing it, my head's quite spongy. Like I really, I don't know how to describe it. I'm, I think I am collaborative. Yeah. And I'm not doing anyone down and saying they're not. I just, I think there's like a definite collaboration, which is just the conversation you have with mm. someone. And that's really precious. And when you get good ones with directors, it's amazing. Mm. So when the ideas come, it's not because you've sat in a small, quiet room with the script. So, I mean, qu- it silently. nice, but yeah. It's probably more that you've been talking to the writer, talking to the director. More to and, the director, probably. Right. Uh-huh. Or the, the director and the writer together. Mm-hmm. 
and share it. Yeah, and that's when the sparks start to Yeah, I think so. To spark. And then like sometimes bits in between when you're talking to someone else and you'd be like, Oh I work out what it is. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. I can't really describe it. I mean, I do do all the other things. I do go away yeah. and research and put images together and read it on my own and all of those things. Mm. I just really like talking about it. That's when I feel yeah. like I'm having a, having a process. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the talking. Yeah. And I think I remember you saying you're not a big sketch sketcher. Not really anymore. Not but I think, you know, when you get grown-up designers and busy you sort of don't I don't get to sit down and draw as much as I used to and mm -hmm. I miss it I miss crafting and the headspace you get from drawing is actually you think right it and it's like being in conversation because you think slower or it's more more meditative but now we use computers a lot or kind of assemble things mm -hmm. you know you get you end up working quite swiftly and I think it'd be quite nice to do some drawing <laughs> quite like that <laughs> Drawing and taking pictures. Yeah, does and does the taking pictures feed into? It, it does because well. it helps me know what what I'm in. It helps me know what I'm thinking about. Mm. I don't know how to describe that very well, but it helps me understand like what my conversation with theatre is. I think I have yeah. a particular one, um, which is just about pretending or not pretending or what, what's theatrical and what's not. So it's interesting mm. that you were saying, you know, sometimes installation, sometimes really theatrical. I think it's because I go. I'm in conversation with like, but what both those things are, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. how they talk to each other. Yeah. I like making theatre talk to other things, and I like mm. other art forms. Yeah, and then other art forms talking to theatre because I think we've got like a really precious thing that other people don't, mm. other mediums don't. Yeah, I get quite excited about yeah. that. And there is of course the liveness of theatre, which of course an installation is is to an extent fixed in in, in time, but um, theatre is linear. Isn't it? an obvious thing but yeah, um, it is. is that part of the, the the appeal as well yes I think I a few years ago I kind of got into quite a big conversation about making like things actually move on stage and that you can move people with how you move things mm. and by things I mean like theatrical objects or flown curtains or bits of scenery so when I did the events um which David Gregg wrote with Roman Gray and we had this, like, curtain that wasn't even a big, big curtain, but we flew the curtain very slowly out at the beginning of the show while, while a choir sings. Yeah. And the curtain was this kind of weird sort of mustardy yellow. And uh, it really moved people. And I was like, that's so interesting. Were you not particularly expecting that, then? Beforehand? I don't know. It was just one of those ideas where we were like, oh, maybe we should try... Let's try this. And, like, yeah. and uh, it was absolutely beautiful because it made you all feel like you were in a church hall. And it right. was a bit shonky. <laughs> It flew out quite slowly and meditatively, meditatively, sorry. Yeah. And I think there's something really amazing about flying things. And like we do that this, we hang things on ropes and we pull them out slowly or fast or whatever. And you get a feeling. Yeah. And that, that I made that and, and 1984, 1984, we take the whole set apart and bring mm. in a new one from, mm. from 101. And that felt like another massive step into that. And then Amadeus was like the biggest. Right. The biggest version of moving things around <laughs> <laughs> that could make people feel, yes. I think. It sort of dramaturged itself, that set. Yeah. So I'm really interested in that. Yeah. Theatre can move, move things around and move people. I can do that with set. Yes. That's that, a nice thing. <laughs> that is quite an exciting thing. Because, mm. again, that, and that sense of an immediate reaction to your job. Yeah, I'm very kinetic yeah. as a designer, I think. I like, I, it evolves or gets taken apart or 
interesting because I've just done one that doesn't do that at all. <laughs> but yeah, I love I love things moving. Yeah. So let us now talk about your, your second object. My next one's something a weird that one. relates to something you worked on. No, this is quite small for the benefit of the tape. It's a <laughs> tiny model piece. Um, that's old. It's like fifteen years old when I just started out. And it's a, a Las Vegas sign. Well, it's a, a mini version of the Las Vegas <laughs> sign. But I changed the text, and it says, Welcome to fabulous Watford, Hertfordshire. Um, because and it's I, like a cloud... Is it a cloud? Uh, no, it's a, it's a fantastic sort of diamond that's golden. Yeah, it's literally the Vegas sign. It There's little gold, gold dots around it in pen. Uh, and it's broken, it's broken off its stand, but it's like one of the oldest bits of model in my studio. And I went and dug it out. <laughs> Where is it? Um, and why is that? It's so from precious. a community project that I did in Watford, Watford Palace Theatre. It's probably around the time I first met Vicky. And I, um, I just really liked how cheeky, I was really cheeky making <laughs> Vegas Watford sign. Yeah. And there's something in my cheekiness with theatre that feels really important and I think <laughs> that might be when it started. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had to go and dig it out and find and it. And what, what was <laughs> the, sh the show it was part of? It was in like a real, it was a site-specific piece with community um, in a really ho like sort of horrible old nightclub <laughs> <laughs> with really sticky floors and we had all these bits of set that we put in but it was like kind of weird little installations all over it I guess yeah. so it felt like a lot of start of what my conversation as a designer is now but the cheekiness and sort of reappropriating yeah other things and mm. messing around yeah <laughs> that sort of <laughs> represents that and there is something really lovely about theatre in that you can kind of Whatever is out there in the world that excites you, you can always bring it in. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because it's about life. Yeah. And life isn't kind of pristine and beautiful and it, it doesn't behave like that. And mm. One of my favourite examples of that is um, I was in Watford when I was about 18 and I was in a pub and um, there was a big sort of Sky TV um, bombing of Baghdad sort of on in the background and it was a karaoke night and there was a really drunk guy singing my way in front of me <laughs> but if you put that in a show you kind of go oh how affected yeah. but life's really like that it's yeah. really ugly and weird yeah so I think that's why I made a Vegas song <laughs> I don't know but it, when I was reading about what to bring or thinking about what to bring yeah it, I felt like this was one this was it yeah but it's not of like a big show I made or no, anything like that. It's really, really, really lovely. And, and is there stuff I'm wondering? Because we, you know, we've already touched on some of the different, the kind of the range of, of work you do, um, but also how pieces might connect, whether they're in the same building or, or not. It, is there for you a, a thread that runs through? Runs through all of it. Yeah. Is there a sort of? Is there a, a signature of that? Or is that just... Do you know, I'm interested in that because I was thinking about that the other day. Because I was thinking about the last few things I've designed and they're quite grown up, they're quite mm. sophisticated. And then the other side of me is like ball pond side <laughs> of me. <laughs> Being such a serious business and sort of cheeky, like break it and mess around with it. Yeah. And then there's now like a more grown up way I'm doing that. So I think, I don't know what the answer is. Mm. I've definitely got quite a strong aesthetic, I think, of how I put things together. But it, it morphs between different conversations because I think 
as somebody who works with new writing all the time, it it comes with them. So the t- the tone or the atmosphere, I'm always like really obsessed with the tone or the atmosphere of a of a piece because if I can get the smell of it right, yeah. And that's not a visual thing to say, but for me, I always say the smell because I'm like, it's got to just kind of be right for what I'm designing. It's yeah. got to have the right world and the right feeling. Yeah. Um, so I don't feel like I've got like a stamp that I put on things. Mm. I think it's just, what would I do? Mm. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I was struck as well thinking about some, some of the the productions um, that have, have really moved me that you've done. We quite often talk to actors about how difficult it is to access vulnerability mm-hmm. and those kind of dark, upsetting places. Um, and I realise I've never really asked a designer that. That's because, really interesting. Because yeah. that's a lot of the material you work on, is it exactly those, those difficult, vulnerable, sensitive places. Mm. Do you, as an artist, have to go there when you're working on them? I, I think, well, we have a longer journey with pieces, but like, yeah, I, I guess I, you feel vulnerable if I have to if I have to make something that's really ugly or a place that's that's really dark. Yeah. You know, like sometimes you can get criticised by people for something that's not beautiful. Mm. And I always feel like, no, like, why would we make something beautiful all the time? It's not, mm. we don't live like that. Yeah. So there's a sort of vulnerability in the darkness of the conversation, definitely, because, like, we make it really big, <laughs> really visible. Yeah. And so you could have a conversation for a long time about a piece and then get in the theatre and you've made it, you know, I can make something that looks dingy and sad and awful in a tiny model box, but then ultimately you're going to make it into somewhere that you walk around in and then yeah. you kind of... <laughs> Magnify it. Um, Katie Mitchell always says a really brilliant thing, which is hold your nerve. Nice. Hold your nerve. It's a really good piece of advice. Yeah. So I think that's good to remember. So you don't you dilute vulnerable. the thing that yeah. you've actually responded to yeah. very strongly. Yeah. Stand by it. Yeah. That's a good thing to do. I'm always banging on to people about being brave. <laughs> Be braver. <laughs> Come on, everyone. Do big, amazing things. <laughs> is that pressure not in not in an unpleasant way but sometimes through the collaborative process that instead of spurring each other on to do something braver and bolder you could kind of dampen each other down if you know find a sort of a middle ground rather than a an extremity i don't know i guess it would depend on the collaborator but i think as long as you're really true to the play or the piece or the music or the thing that you're doing as long as you really make that in the best way yeah you're not compromising yeah and you have to look after each other in the team. Yeah. How does that work for a designer? Because, of course, there's that thing that the production is made, the production happens, the production opens, and then I guess to an extent you <laughs> have to disappear. Yeah, we do. After press night. Because they get on with it. Yeah. Does that, is, that, is that a weird feeling? I think less so now. But often actors will be like, oh, you're all going to go tomorrow. Like, you're all done. And they get sort of left behind, and it's theirs. You have to kind of hand it over. Yeah. I guess because making it so intense, and we're all sitting in the dark together, making <laughs> making <laughs> theatre and ideas and trying things out, and and then and then we sort of abandon the actors and le- leave them to it with mm. the team. That always feels a little bit weird, but yeah. sort of less so because now you know, grown up designers, we jog on to the next. Yeah. 
the next thing. You don't get the same sort of sad crash you get when you first no. start, <laughs> where it's horrible to leave the family. Yeah. You need a, a quite, a, as, a, as a, a, any kind of freelance artist, you need a certain amount of resilience to just keep you going through yeah. the, the unpredictability of it, apart yeah. from anything else, yeah. I guess. And sort of repeat collaborations then become really gorgeous, because you're in that, what I was talking about earlier, the, the long conversation with a director or with a collaborator. Yeah. Or, you know, those, those are really good. Mm. Keep, keep, the, keep you going through all the projects. Yeah. But it is weird, especially when you work away a lot, it gets quite lonely, or if you're not with a team that you know very well, yeah. kind of yeah, just yeah. sort of move into it and then build it up, and then yeah. six weeks later you're on the next, but <laughs> it's it, a weird thing. And is it a pleasure or a frustration that you're kind of dealing with stuff that comes at you, proposals, ideas, productions? What are things plays, that I could that make? Come, yeah, that come to, rather than things that you're having to initiate I've sort of now starting to do a combination right because I think there's a lot of designers who are kind of a bit more than a designer mm. and so it's interesting role I talk about this quite a lot with various other designers of like instigating things or I've started collaborating across other things so I now work with a singer in Holland and I've been talking to a couple of contemporary artists developing pieces that way because I think you can get stale mm. if you just do one thing. And all the other things feed feed in. Mm. I think that's really like lucky and precious as you get bigger in the field you're in that actually other things start coming in and coming away because, I don't know, just the opportunities appear and that I'm like super excited about yeah. a few of those conversations. <laughs> that's good news. <laughs> I like those. And I must now ask you about places, spaces, buildings, landscapes. What 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 what, what is it that you 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 can't bring them in? So no. what, what what is the well, picture? You know, in what, my it head? Made, what it made me think about was that I think one strand of my work that I do a lot is I can sort of mash to get. I, I kind of sometimes make in, environments or for performance that are kind of various places squished together. Mm. So we use like a wall from somewhere and a, and a bit of a bit from somewhere else and a, and it will feel weird because yeah. it's, it's lots of places together yeah and so I was going oh well what version of that could I make in my head <laughs> and I was thinking about um one space I really love is Saint-Chapelle in Paris which is a tiny little chapel mm. I think it's 13th century in the I want to say Palais de Justice and I went there the other week and I hadn't been since I was about 18 it's really great because you go in at the bottom and it's really low and kind of really mega patterned lots of patterns um, and very very dark and then you go up these little stairs and then you're in a space that's completely surrounded by windows and they're all incredible and um, there's something about that space of the action that you have of it being dark and low and then walking up the stairs and then going <laughs> oh and you get a little feeling when you go in it yeah um, and there's something about the theatre of that I was thinking about as a place mm. not necessarily because I wanted to suggest a church but just yeah. because I was like it's so beautiful yeah and the windows what stained glass yeah but like windows. in a kind of mega 10 meter high and it's very very thin and very very tall and it's just got a million colors in it and then every single pillar and surface has got a different painted hand painted pattern repeated all the way up all the way up all the way up 
and I love patterns of very eclectic and I don't know I just was like this is this is great <laughs> this is a really amazing space <laughs> so that was one of my spaces and then another one was um, there's a really weird basketball court in the um, airport that's now become a park in Berlin in Tempelhof that's like where the American soldiers used to play basketball um, and I was really obsessed with that space because it's got these really weird colours and it's not used anymore so I'd probably mash those <laughs> <laughs> and um, right, so is it a bit kind of derelict a bit yeah in a kind of brilliant old German way <laughs> um, yeah so I don't know a lot of my references are from all over yeah I think I would do a combination of those as places that are kind of stuck in my head yeah, mixtures. I now want to see the production. <laughs> it would be awful to look at. <laughs> or just the most fantastic thing ever imagined by human human. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, I think that would be it. There's a lot of places, I don't know, we get like really obsessed with them. I have like a whole file on my computer that's just called Spaces and it's just like all my favourite ones just that I've just kept the pictures off Google oh, for years. Oh, wow. Sometimes you can just scroll through and be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like a little, oh. a little, well, a little meditation to kind of say to you. Because you get, I think it's so nice as you get old, you know, as you've designed a lot of things, you accumulate mm. a lot of stuff that you love, mm. and then kind of really like one thing I've really enjoyed over the last few years is being like, this is what I really like. Like in your mid thirties, you yeah. can just be like, I really, this is what I love. I know what it is now. Yeah. It's these things. Is it quite, quite a comfortable kind of state of being in a way? I think so. Just of, to be like, that's definitely you my case. You can trust your, your instincts, yeah, trust your taste. that's what I definitely do. Yeah. I think someone said that to me once. When I was starting out, I was designing a show and I designed it, but I didn't really feel like me. And I remember showing the models of the director and they were going, I, the reason I asked you to do this was because I wanted you to do it. And it was a really amazing thing that, that they said it because I'd, I think I'd designed it looking like another bigger designer. Yeah. And she was like, well, I wanted you to be you. And that so was I, it was a massive, thing. brilliant lesson. Yeah. To be like, well, do what you would do. That's my literally my advice. What would you do? Yeah. And hold your nerve. <laughs> Very <laughs> good. Was, can, can you remember the first piece that you worked on where you thought, yeah, this is me, this is my yeah, voice? I can exactly. Uh, Knives and Hens, National Theatre Scotland directed by a Belgian director called Lise Powells, who I've now worked with several times, and I'm going to work with again next year. And, and that was the most me thing I'd ever done, and I couldn't really believe that I could really, really put what was in my head. And it was very odd-looking space. I had, like, a big hung frame which had lots of tiny little houses upside down, like a village upside down above it, and it was, like, a bit like a fairground, and we had this, like, weird kind of revolve. And then a bit like horrible lino, like someone's house. And then a bit like a gym. Mm -hmm. We had like these pommel horses. And we told how time passed by laying whiskey bottles all over the stage. And uh, it, uh, yeah, it was like, I don't know, the eclectic something of it. I had like a little yeah. rocking horse hung in the sky and chains. And it just was my head. <laughs> And I think someone's like, I don't think I'd want to be in your head. <laughs> I love it in here. <laughs> this is my happy place. <laughs> Weird mini villages upside down and pommel horses. And a rocking horse. Yeah, and a stripy revolve, like a big Campino suite. <laughs> wow. Yeah. There's a team of psychoanalysts outside know, the door like, what <laughs> wanting to come in now. <laughs> it's nice, though. It's nice when you, discover, when you really discover it. Yeah. So I think it takes quite a while. Of designing to then be like, that's totally me. Yeah. Finally, I did it. Yeah. And working with people who 
don't ask you to justify that because yeah. a lot of that is but it's a really particular kind of you know it not you can't always do that because yeah. you've got a play and a venue and a yeah. director and a uh, you can't always just be like, I'm just going to do like a full Chloe Lamford <laughs> on something. But with her, there's like this really um, amazing conversation, which is like we don't even have lots of meetings or anything, and we we just can talk to each other in quite an abstract way. And I'll make the space, and then she'll make the show in it. Mm -hmm. So it's like it, the influence on each other is kind of massive, but it's not text led. It's it's what's in our hearts or in our heads yeah. about whatever it is we're talking about. Yeah. I love working with And how do you feed what's in your head? How do you, because we've you know, talked about times when you're kind of open to all sorts of mm. stuff in the outside world and times when you need to kind mm. of close that off. How do you kind of make sure there's, there's the, the stuff in your head is progressing and developing and deepening and not As just... As in what do I, where do I look to? Yeah. Um, I'm big into contemporary art. I go to quite a lot of uh, art events in other countries, or I just went to Venice Biennale, or I go and see certain artists, certain practice, certain theatre people, just kind of have a little head reset or a, mm -hmm. an inspiration. Or play, I travel a lot, mm -hmm. go to places. I went to Mexico to the Day of the Dead a few years ago, and that's been massive. How mine. was that? It was incredible. I went with Imogen Knight, who was a choreographer, yeah. and um, we just really wanted to see it, and there were some very old family friends of my folks who live in Mexico City, and they took us out into the mountains, where um, there was really big graveyards where families go and <laughs> hang out and wait, wait for the souls to come back. And it was the most amazing, amazing visual experience it must and have been atmosphere. Feast of... It was utterly incredible. Um, dancing people in the middle of like mariachi bands in graveyards full of incense and marigolds and candles yeah. and painted skeletons and, and, and because I mean in, in the British context you think of all that kind of skull and skeleton imagery as, as gothic and dark but this is colour and it's light it's like a family and, and day out they hang out with like a camping chair by granny's grave and yeah wow. eat like nice food from the fair and get a mariachi band to come and play a few songs and it's, it really was the most beautiful, weird, wonderful thing ever. And that makes my head really... <laughs> like, oh, how do you make that atmosphere that was yeah. so complex? It had grief and joy and sort of family yeah. day out mixed together. Yeah, go, all wow. the layers yeah. intertwining yeah. and colliding. Yeah, it was amazing. And, oh. Wonderful, wonderful people. Yeah. Okay, I cannot wait to see that production <laughs> wherever that emerges. I think it's probably been in a few. Oh, do you think? Do you yeah, think just like already? snuck in, just the feeling right. of it, maybe. Okay. I don't know. We'll see. I need to find some more of that <laughs> next year. <laughs> okay. Well, look, that's the future. Hurrah! That's a good place to head out into. But Chloe Lampard, thank you ever so much. No, it has worries. been a delight. It's very lovely. Thank you. Cheers. You've been listening to the Donmar on Design podcast series. Visit donmarwarehouse.com to find more podcasts with world-class theatre makers.